Hello and welcome to the Geek Embassy Watches Avengers Endgame. I hope you all have your tissues ready because there's <laughs> going to be a lot of spoilers and probably not, you know, not uh, many of us are going to end this podcast with a dry eye. Uh, there I'm your host, Dante Bucheri, uh, and I am joined this evening by a slew of my compatriots. We have Evan, Isabella, Max, Regina, and Steven online with us tonight. How is everybody feeling? Emotionally charged. Emotionally <laughs> charged? Well, I I certainly hope that uh, you can maintain that for the next 60 minutes or so. <laughs> and I'm ready to like, yell a bunch. Yeah, it looks like Max just uh, just dropped out because he couldn't handle it already. Oh, already. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. So did he get Dustin? Uh, oh wait, that was the other movie. <laughs> I mean, it was this movie too. It was Let's this be movie real. Too. <laughs> yeah, it just means he's a bad guy. <laughs> it's true. He is part of Thanos' army. Ah, uh, there he is. I'm back. I'm sorry. Okay, so you got dusted and then you got re- recapitulated again. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> yes. Uh, we are now pre-snap. Everything is. We're in the correct universe. <laughs> I love it. So, um, so I've seen this movie twice, um, and I, I've been meaning to see it for a third time. And I'm very jealous that Regina just got to go see it today for the first uh, time. For the first oh time, God. and audience, can I just tell you that like the. Wow, the the text message that she sent to our group chat was, "I have not cried this much since Return of the King." Oh my god, <laughs> that, yeah, that is some epic level of crying right there. It is. That was like what twenty years old at this point. It's not oh, quite that old. Not that old. Is it? Uh, yeah, it's not not Return of the King. Not Return of the King. Maybe Return of the King is a little bit. We okay. have the internet. We can find out. I'm looking yeah, right now. I am too. 2004. Okay, okay thank 2004. You. So it's 15, 15 years. years old. 15. I can go 15. 20's a little pushing it. Thank you very much. It's okay, Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> it is anyway. the best. It is. Return of the King is the best movie ever made. Full stop. Yeah. So, anyways, we can we can argue that on another cast, (laughs) which which will be promptly titled "Avengers Endgame versus Return of the King." Fine. I'm just gonna tell me when it is. I will throw down. (laughs) Sounds good. But anyways, uh, I want to start off the discussion with, um, I, I guess, just a matter of scale at this point. When we a year ago did our episode on Avengers Infinity War, we made the assertion, or at least I did, and most of you tended to agree with me, that Infinity War is the most ambitious movie that Marvel had ever made. And it was you know, galaxy, galaxy spanning with different set pieces and God knows how many characters. And Endgame tried to top that with not only going to different worlds, but different time periods and also even more characters than Infinity War had. So... Yeah. On a scale of one to ten, like how unwieldy is this movie, and does it top Infinity War as the most ambitious Marvel movie? Mm, yes. <laughs> I mean, I just can't, I mean, so it's, it's, no, it's I'm hesitant the, because I wanted—I didn't know who was going to start. Yeah, I mean, this is more—it's clearly more ambitious than Infinity War, if for nothing yeah. else, because not only did it have to do all the same things. Right, like the scale, the bombastic battles, you know, all the characters, but it had more, and also it had to wrap up that, yeah, everything that started in the first one. And lastly, it had to prove and basically establish that these movies are comic books now, which means the paradigm is nothing, nothing you see matters anymore, right? Like, they 
they made it comic books. So all those, like my mom, who like mm-hmm. was crying because she thought Spider-Man was dead. You know, now she knows that none of that matters anymore. Like, so Endgame changed everything. So yeah, I think it did it. I, I think I agree with Steven as well, but I think what made this more ambitious was the need for emotional connection that you had to have to the characters mm-hmm. to have to so many characters in a movie. Like, you know, we're lucky usually if we have three characters we can deeply connect with in a movie. And this movie had five million. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it had so many stories to wrap up and so many connect- characters to connect to. And I think that if I'm going to walk away from it, you know, declaring that I, I, I do not declare it's better than Return of the King. However, I haven't cried as much at a movie as I did, you know, since Return of the King, um, because because they they took the time to make those emotional moments resonate well enough for enough of the characters. I would like to at some point discuss them fridging. Um, um, Black, Black Widow. Widow. Yeah. Oh, um, I have things to say. Because <laughs> uh, I know Isabella is going to be with me on this because I was really worried it was going to ruin the movie for me. And um, it didn't. And I know why. But um, I'm still so, mad. I mean, so how about, like, I think, like, we all agree this is a pretty ambitious movie. It hit a lot of the emotional resonator parts of our brain. Let's just dive right into the whole Black Widow thing. Um, <laughs> because I, cause I, I've, I've spoken with a lot of people because I initially had that big gut reaction of like, of, of like, Oh God, how could they, how could they do this to Black Widow? They fridged her. And I've spoken with a lot of people, especially a lot of like women, like women nerds who are tell, who are, telling me differently, telling me that like maybe she wasn't fridged. And I'm very interested to see what you and Isabella have to say about this. Okay. Because it seems to be driving driving everybody right down the middle. <laughs> go no, ahead. Go Isabella. ahead. I already started, so you go. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So I was worried that they were going to do this way back when in, what was it, Civil War, when they brought up her, I'm infertile and can't have children. Oh yeah, that, yes, that, 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 that entire that entire thing um, was problematic. <laughs> I knew that they were going to kill her off at some point because of this. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that she ended up like sacrificing herself to do it, like, just makes it worse because <laughs> it undoes everything that she's been trying to do. Um, because she didn't need redemption. No. Like, she was one of the few characters that had already done all that. She was done with that. She already, like, saved the world several times. She didn't need to be the one to die. Also, she was the only woman in the movie for, like, two hours. (laughs) I mean, Nebula. Nebula. Nebula's a woman. She was, like, I'm not going to say that she has as big of a role as Black Widow. Black Widow is most certainly a, uh, a very important character. Uh, early on, Nebula is more of an important character in the later half of the movie, but uh, I'm not going to say like Black Widow was the only token woman in the movie. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't agree with that. But not only is Nebula like really not like because she's an alien and because she's like part android, they really other her. 
Yeah. And we haven't gotten like five movies with Nebula. We've never mm -hmm. gotten even a little bit of Nebula's story. Even what little bits of it that we've gotten, we have gotten through Gamora, who mm -hmm. have, we have gotten through Star-Lord's eyes even. So mm -hmm. it's like three degrees of separation with Nebula. Yeah. And I actually really liked her for the first time in this movie. Yeah, I did too. I think yeah. that, that, that was a, a wonderful bit that I wanted to touch on later on when we uh, explored story arcs. Because mm -hmm. I, I was entirely surprised at how much I liked Nebula in this movie. Mm -hmm. Seeming to do, like, seeming just to come from a very different place at the start of Guardians of the Galaxy number one to where she is at the end of. Uh, at the end of uh, Endgame, it's it's absolutely startling. But we're going to go back to that later. Uh, Regina, what else did you have to say about uh, the the death of Black Widow? Well, I'm, I'm going to go with Isabella too on this and just reinforce the fact that she's the only female original Avenger, mm -hmm. and and just that alone puts her in a class that none of the other characters are in. Mm -hmm. And so, like she said, she didn't need redemption. She didn't need to save herself. She didn't need to give up her life in order to undo anything. Um, and I don't know. It just, it was hugely disappointing for me to have, you know, that, that single female character in this group um, end up going out that way. Like, I, I, I don't know. I guess I'm kind of glad that it was her choice, but at the same time, I don't know. And that that's, I'm going to get to Steven and Evan very shortly, but that's the okay. thing that I was, that I was hung up can on. I, can I add just one more thing? Yeah, sure. Go right ahead. The, like, it just like sticks like even worse in like my craw that, that they, not only did they push that like previous, she's infertile, Right. Like storyline. They gave Hawkeye a family. Yeah. And that seems to be the only reason that he's the one that didn't die. Yeah. Like yeah. suddenly the serial killer guy who's been killing people for five years. Yeah. Gone completely crazy. He's the one that gets to be saved. Yeah. Just because he has the family. And like that irks me even more. I mean, let's also not discount the horrible things that Black Widow has done in her past. Yeah, yeah. You know, she, well, they all she, have that. They all have that. She has a lot of red in her ledger. Yeah. Anyways, before I go off on my tangent, Stephen, you were first. Evan, you were second. Go. <laughs> so, all right. So at the end of Infinity War, mm -hmm. half of the universe is dusted. Mm -hmm. That's not even hyperbole. Literally, half of the universe yeah. was dusted. Yeah. Um, and we all walked out of there going, "Well, I mean, there's no way they killed Spider Man, and there's no way they killed Black Black Panther because they got another movie. Right. Black Widow has another movie. So, and now this is comic books. Like, yeah, I saw a body, but like, whatever. We saw Gamora's body but, too. Like, I'm not convinced yeah. that she's actually dead. Yeah, and that's and the that's... only counterpoint I have. I understand, and I'm not going to argue with you guys. No, it wasn't that makes it worse for me. Okay. Yeah. Because it's it, it it tosses her away here, um, to bring her back again. It's like literally, it's it's like even worse fridging because it's right. not even permanent. It's just played for that gut reaction. Yeah, like just we so you know get that Iron emotional Man. reaction. We yeah. know Iron Man is gone, right? For good yeah. now. Yeah. 
we know Captain America is ostensibly good for good now. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. I don't believe either of those things either. Well, maybe Tony Stark, but I don't believe the Captain America thing. Oh, Captain America is definitely gone. He, I don't like, believe anything. His story's wrapped up. Anyways, Evan, you had a point that you wanted to make. Well, I just think that, like, I can definitely understand the feelings that she fridged herself, but I think I, I take it a different way. Because for one thing, the her being infertile thing, I feel like was a plot point they introduced was when when was that? Was that in um, Civil War? Civil War. Civil War it was either Civil War or Winter Soldier. Now that I think I'm about it, I can't it's... remember which one. Civil War. I think it's Winter Soldier because I or not Winter Soldier. Civil okay. War. I still haven't seen Winter Soldier. So okay, That's I couldn't remember part if it was the better or Age of Ultron. But I, I, they brought that up and never brought it up again. And I kind of got the idea that they did that because they realized it was probably not a good, good idea because they didn't have really any payoff for it, and it was kind of the sort of thing that you really shouldn't introduce into a character if you're not doing it purposefully. And so I didn't see that as being connected to this. Obviously, I'm a dude, so my perception is different on that. But I felt like, in this case, I can't see it as a fridging moment because it was. I felt it was deeply true to both hers and Hawkeye's characters that either of them would die for the other. And I thought that was vital to that particular moment. It was, it was a, it wasn't a testament to the value of her character. It was a testament to the strength of their bond together that it's been established since way back in the beginning that these two are the closest of friends, their partners, they'll, Yeah, they're, they're always they're always going to come back for each other. They're always going to look out for each other. This has been one of the the firmest bonds I think of any of the characters in the entire franchise. Mm-hmm. And the whole competition they had in that moment of who gets to sacrifice themselves, I thought was a very strong cinematic moment because like you'll you'll have heroic sacrifice in these kind of movies. It happens all the time. It happens several times in this movie, um, but it's seldom that you see people go to the extreme lengths they went to make sure the other person doesn't do it. And because of that, I I felt like obviously she was doing it because she feels like she owes him a debt and because he has a family and because she cares about him as a person. I felt like he was doing the same thing because he felt like he had kind of lost the right to, to be the one who uh, made it out and that, she had so much potential that she was a good person on her own and deserved to live. And because of his, her, his value of her as a person as well. So I felt like neither character was weakened in that, that particular sequence. And also like she was the first female Avenger, but I, it did feel like a continuous theme throughout this movie that they were closing off all the original Avengers stories. Yeah, they're certainly trying to close off all the original Avengers stories. So, I guess again, like I, I, I'm going to just throw my privilege there as a as a straight dude. You know, I (laughs) that like that my perspective on these things is probably has carries less merit. Um, If we're like if we're really going on like the definition of like of fridging, like she was like, I mean, it doesn't usually specify self sacrifice. It's it. it typically, it typically, it like implies like straight up murder by like by somebody yeah. else, 
right? Yep. Um, the fact, you know, and the fact that she went ahead, made this choice uh, with her own agency. No one coerced her to do it, um, and you know, she was under no compulsion to do that. Both of them could have just walked away and said, "Like, we're just not going to get the Soul Stone today." You know? Um, yeah. That's uh. So that that's the that's a point that was again brought up to me that. You know, from some other from some other females who clearly feel differently from you are that uh, and I'm not going to say that this is a reason why it's not fridging because uh, your feelings are also valid um, the thing that bothered me the most about the whole sacrifice scene was again like what we're coming back to she's the, f- the only original female Avenger right and what is something that the you know quote token female on any team gets to do is she gets to do all of the emotional labor for all of the men in her life. Uh, this, is, this is something that we see in literature. It's something we see in movies. It's something we see in real life all the time. And we see her at the beginning of the movie, basically taking, taking control of the Avengers and doing all of the emotional labor for the entire team because she views them as her, as her, her family. surrogate family. Yeah. You know, she, the, the, these are her people and she doesn't know what, she doesn't know what else to do besides get the family back together. And while I understand like plot wise, it makes sense for her to, to make this sacrifice because she's just been doing the emotional labor this entire time. And, this is her way to guarantee and put all the faith into her friends that like, yes, like my death is going to get my family back together. And if, and if that's the price that I have to pay, then that's what I have. That's what I have to do. I get it. It's noble. It's heroic, but it really sucks that that has to once again in, you know, in the history of storytelling uh, for the umpteen thousandth time that it is, it, also, it just falls on a woman to make the sacrifice for see for the uh, for the betterment of all of the men in her life. That and th- those are my only real thoughts on it. I I don't know. Like I feel like we have solved nothing here. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if it if it had been between her and anyone else, it would mm-hmm. be more of a case for that. But I think specifically because we do have such a strong correlation between those two characters specifically mm-hmm. to me i feel like it transcends that yeah um i'm just gonna go on a tiny tiny thing here i thought it should have been her and hulk that went to vormir and that yeah. hulk, hulk sacrifices himself I because still... because they, they've had that that entire like will they won't they thing yeah for quite some time and i felt like if hulk sacrifices himself then that closes off that loop and you can send hawkeye to new york I uh, always hated that relationship pairing, though. I always thought that was so arbitrary and weird. Anyways, anyways, I think I think we've we've yeah. beaten that, this horse this horse with a stick at, at this point. <laughs> um, I do want to get back to the, the fact that there's no funeral for Black Widow, but we'll we'll worry about that later. Let's <laughs> um, <laughs> see. Uh, so, other notable and exceptional story arcs. Let's let's actually move on to the next woman in this movie uh the one the one that we uh we've talked about before who who has has been othered and has come from a very different place uh at the start of guardians of the galaxy one this is uh nebula sister of gamora daughter of thanos who started out as an agent of thanos an assassin uh assassin daughter for him and at the end of this movie ends up killing her 
past self, literally and metaphorically, mm-hmm. and becoming a full-fledged Guardian of the Galaxy. Um, and this this was among the things that I predicted. Like this would probably would have been like number nine hundred and ninety-seven uh, <laughs> things that I would have predicted would have happened in this movie. <laughs> I was fully expecting her to just completely disappear afterwards because from going back and killing her past self in a different timeline. Yeah, but That's their their time travel is all kinds of wibbly wobbly. Yeah. Anytime you get in time travel, it's like okay, just. Well, and can I just give props to the time travel movie discussion? Oh, and where yeah. Ant Man yeah. goes, You mean all of Back to the Future was crap? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, that was pretty great. <laughs> I did that whole conversation. But we but this but this and they're like, those are all movies. <laughs> like, yeah, I was I was so incredibly impressed at the fact that they just listed off every single time yeah. travel could think of back to the future terminator time yeah. cop yeah. time heist and like and they even went to hot tub, hot tub time, time machine <laughs> like how and die hard you're in the same universe go. as hot time time hot tub time machine now right yeah that's this, canon <laughs> it, it absolutely it's absolutely ludicrous and and the whole the whole uh time travel discussion thing like I feel like it's just kind of a moot point. It's like it's like trying to ascertain the reason why Superman can fly without mm-hmm. wings. Like it just happens. Like <laughs> it's time travel. It just happens. Like don't think too hard about the reasoning. It is what it is, and we're going with it. And if this doesn't do p- paradoxes because reasons. Like <laughs> just because, smile and nod. You know, like like Stephen said, this is comic books now. <laughs> Right, like this just happens. Yeah. Um, but anyways, Nebula. Wow, like yeah. absolutely incredible arc. I, I really, I really uh, came into the character not really, not particularly liking her because I felt like she was a little bit one note when we first met her in the original Guardians, and I knew the actress from Doctor Who, and I wasn't terribly. I wasn't terribly fond of her character there, so I think that kind of clouded my judgment. But by the end of Endgame, it is fascinating to me how she still manages to be cold, deadly logical, very reserved, um, very emotionally closed off, uh, very very robot-like for somebody who is at the very least part sentient flesh and blood person but she still manages to to act with a whole bunch of nuance and and can actually tap into some emotion some emotional wells when like when she needs to like when she has to make that emotional appeal to the past version of gamora when she has to uh basically talk herself down uh Mm -hmm. while she's up while her past self is about to execute hawkeye it is uh is absolutely masterful i think what the russo brothers ended up doing with her uh over the course of just two movies that they had with her but it felt like they've been with her since the beginning uh was was basically how how i came out of the movie feeling anybody can chime in it's perfectly fine (laughs) (laughs) i i thought she was one of the most interesting character arcs of all of them like I, i do feel like she came farther from where she began to where she ended up than anybody else. And also 
I, I think they, like, I, I could be wrong on this because this is also another thing I'm speaking outside of class, but I thought they did a good job of portraying her as an abuse victim, like a fundamentally deeply abused person overcoming what that did to her and reaching a point where she was able to validate herself based on her own uh, desires and her own identity and to overcome her abuser directly and also to literally be able to overcome the version of herself that she despised that her abuse had turned her into. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was. It was definitely a potent and powerful metaphor. I was. I was honestly. I was honestly bowled over with uh, with how rich and complex uh, her her story was. Um, completely blew my mind. Um, but uh, but yeah, can we? But speaking of just victims and um, and people who were going through some trauma and stuff, can we? Um, can we talk about Thor and yeah. why? And we talk about Thor. And I I just have to throw down and say I love fat Thor and I'm all (laughs) for Thor who looks like he's Lebowski. Um I don't know. I just thought it was great. I just want to say one of my favorite memes to come out of this was thanks to thanks to Avengers Endgame, I now have the body of a god. It makes (laughs) me really happy. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. Uh, um, I'm really. Int- I'm sorry, uh, Isabel. I cut you off. Oh, sorry. Um, I do. I feel like I have to point out that I don't like how his like newfound fatness was played as a joke. Yeah, because yeah. it was poking fun a lot uh, yeah. in a way that I feel like they could have avoided. They could have made him kind of schlubby without poking fun at him like that. But yeah, that's just a criticism that I've noticed being bandied about. Because mm-hmm. I know it annoyed a lot of people. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I think I, I just want to go out and say, like, I would have had no problem with Thor rocking dad bod if it if it wasn't played for jokes. Like, if it, if it was yeah. just, like, a stated physical appearance change and they didn't make, you know, they didn't make the, any of the chubby jokes over and over and over again, um... I felt like they had a golden opportunity there to, um, to to really explore the amount of trauma that Thor had gone through from the beginning of Thor Ragnarok up through the end uh, up through the the end of Infinity War because that all took place over the course of like what three weeks for him yeah <laughs> days. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like he loses half of his people. He loses half of his people again. He loses his brother. He loses his best friend. His father, uh, his sister destroyed his home. Like all of these things happen over the course of several weeks. And like, of course, he's probably going to go into a depressive drinking state. That doesn't mean that he needs to yeah. be the butt of everybody's jokes. So now, anyway, Regina, what did you like about him? <laughs> I, I, there was something so. I don't know. I want to say charming about his own, his own mental breakdown. Like, like the thing about Thor, Thor is a little for me, like, um, like Superman is Uh right. Like those heroes that are just always good, always like able to like hold it together to like be there and to fix things. And like, 
just the sort of catch all answer. Yeah. Like they, like they just, they just, that's what they are. Right. Like I appreciated seeing him feel the weight of it. Like, like I don't think often we see, you know, superheroes feel the weight of the responsibility. And, and I agree that the fat jokes were not great and, and this and that, but, and, and the, the, the portrayal could have been on, done a lot better. Um, when he has that, I'm having an anxiety attack moment and he's just like, can't get out of it. Uh-huh. Even though, you know, Rocket's like, come on, there she is. Let's go. And he's just like, I got to go find the wine. You it's know, like, like I can't do this. <laughs> I, can't do this. Uh-huh. I, I, I loved that because I felt like it was, I mean, he's not human. He's a God, but it like made him human. And, and Marvel movies and all of these Avengers movies have had really good track records uh, portraying things like PTSD mm-hmm. or, uh, or depression or panic attacks. And I, as much as the poking fun at it, sort of, as much as that sort of ground on me, I wanted to say I was very impressed and I was very impressed with how they showed every character's responses to the death of Thanos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thor's hit me just particularly. It was, it was a, especially since in infinity war, like Thor was their nuclear option at that point. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, he, yeah. his whole arc through that movie was like forging the, the um, Stormbreaker, Stormbreaker yeah. and he was the cavalry they were calling in. He was the one who was going to take Thanos out. And he was, yeah, he kind of did. And then, he, the beginning of this movie, he does. So he finishes the job eventually, but ultimately, like his yeah. failure to be that, to, to successfully be the cavalry who comes yes. in to the stop. Day, and that it, he, you can sort of feel that he shoulders more responsibility for what ultimately happened than most people do. Yeah, absolutely. I think it it harkens back to mm-hmm. uh, to a, what we thought was a. Well, at least what I thought was a throwaway line from Infinity War, uh, where he, he's chatting it up with Rocket uh, on the ship on the way to Nidavellir, the uh, the place where he's going to make Stormbreaker, and he says, "Yeah, well, you know, like I've faced a thousand enemies, and you know, and they're all you know they're all dead on the floor or whatever," and um, and Rocket just poses to him, and just like, "Yeah, like, well." He's faced you and he beat you. And he's like, well, he's never faced me twice. And he, he's just, he's dealing with all of this confidence because he's never lost a fight before. Yeah. That entire exchange let me know, like, he's lived 1,500 years and never lost a fight. He's never found somebody mm-hmm. that could best. He's never found somebody that really wasn't terribly easy for him to defeat. Except um, for Helen. Yeah. Except, you know, except for Hela, but even he found a way to beat her. Even if it wasn't him physically beating her, he found a way to outsmart her, right? And yeah. she ended and she ended up defeated in his eyes. And Thanos was as much a blow to his ego uh, as it was a as it was a blow to his physical body because like you, we all saw him at the beginning of Endgame or the beginning of Infinity War. He got manhandled. And yeah. like and and Thanos is just dragging him around by the by the collar like he's a like he's a, a kitten right <laughs> uh, and like and he's barely he's he's powerless to really do anything about it so it was yeah it was incredible just watch just watching him deal 
with that kind of stuff. But you know, like like we've all said, you know, like the fat jokes that's been said on the internet for a week weeks now. So I, I don't I don't think we need to delve much more much more into that. Like just Google fat Thor. You'll find plenty of opinions on it. I promise. Um, I did also uh, wanted to talk about since we were, uh, since Thor was one of the characters who had been defeated for the first time, basically by Thanos. Mm -hmm. um, I sort of wanted to transition that into Hulk because Hulk had also never lost a fight. And that being completely beaten to a pulp by Thanos Mm-hmm. Must have had really wrecked him up too. Oh, absolutely, and we see it how how much it wrecked him was that was that that was truly the last time that we that we see Hulk on screen. You know, the, the the Hulk that we know, the you know, the one that that punches giant flying space aliens into into the pavement in New York. That guy is completely gone. Like yeah. we saw him for the last time after he got body slammed by Thanos and. Now, now that we see it in these movies, we've got Professor Hulk. You know, we've got Bruce Banner in the Hulk's body. Yeah. And like, how, like, what did you guys think of that? Because I was like, like, I was a little bit like lukewarm on it until like it 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 gradually gradually warmed on me the more that the movie went on. But I wasn't really sure how much I liked the hearing Banner's voice come out of Hulk's body. It just, for whatever reason, it didn't it, work for it, me originally. It weirded me out looking at it. <laughs> and when we, like when we first saw him in the diner scene and he's got, you know, just the massive breakfast, he's got the entire restaurant on the table. Yeah. <laughs> That's, and he's just sitting and so calm. And I, I was, I was not the only one in the theater, I'm sure, who had the same face as the people just looking at him or on screen, <laughs> looking at Hulk. Like, yeah, it, yeah. But <laughs> and the the thing with the kid, the selfie with the kids was also a little bit. Oh God, strange. yeah. Range. It's absolutely it's absolutely mind boggling to. To, he's another one that you see, like you see him at the beginning of uh, the beginning of Avengers, the original Marvel's Avengers, and he's he's paranoid. He's like tw- basically just twitching, looking over his shoulder every five seconds, and now he's sitting in a diner taking selfies with kids, saying like, "You know, stay green for Hulk." Uh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's the new Captain America, right? Because Captain America was the one they all rallied around, all the kids rallied around, or whatever. And he's I mean, the new ham. Yeah. Captain America's an outlaw now, so you can't. Nope. Nobody. Can't be right. Nobody be the new Captain America. I don't care. <laughs> that is America's ass. It is America's ass. <laughs> I, I loved that joke for far too long. <laughs> I'm sure you did. <laughs> I, I definitely did. Um, I don't know. I'm all for Sam Wilson as being our new Captain America. Oh, no, I'm definitely I'm, down for Sam yeah, Wilson. So down for that. Wilson. Um, but let's 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 talk about the original captain here. We'll we'll get to Iron Man shortly. He deserves he deserves to go last. He he did have the he grand does. finale, but like yeah. Captain America, my goodness, oh Captain, my Captain! Like <laughs> I have not made it. I have not made it a secret how much I love Captain America and how much I love Chris Evans as Captain America. Um, I continue to be impressed, and I'm planning on writing a a longer form article about this for the website. Uh, just tracking the death of idealism in Captain America. 
because like when we first meet him in 1941 uh, at the beginning of the first Avenger, he is mm-hmm. like he's just a simple kid from Brooklyn, or he's a simple kid from Brooklyn who just wants to just wants to go and defeat bullies. He's full of hope and truth, justice, the American way, all that fun stuff that uh, the Captain America fights for. He's all for it. And now that he's gone through 70 years on ice and through seven years of adventuring with the Avengers, and you see him become more close to the cynical man that Tony Stark was at the beginning of Iron Man 1 in 2008, where he is, like, he's grizzled, he's battered, he's tired, he doesn't want to do this anymore. Um, and he's still somehow trying to trying to hold it together for the uh, for the the people that he's in group therapy with, who still look to him as a symbol, and he's trying to hold it together for the team, and just that look of relief on his face when he time travels back to the seventies, and he sees Peggy Carter for the first time in you know ostensibly seventy years, it's absolutely heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking, and then. Oh god, that scene at the end that I couldn't stop crying at when <laughs> Cap goes back, he time travels at the end back to the fifties and he lives out the rest of his days with uh with Peggy Carter. Oh that was nice. God was- I cried like a little baby for most of the credits because I was just so happy for well, it. It, it. It's nice because, you know, so, so Endgame came out and Game of Thrones kicked up at about the same time. And yeah. um, we're going to, we just had an episode of Game of Thrones that was like hugely devastating. Mm. <laughs> In other words, just another episode of Game of Thrones. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a nice bomb to have like, like as everybody's talking about Endgame and everybody crying and I, you know, I, it took me three weeks to see it. So there was a, a lag and I was really managed to stay mostly spoiler free. So I I didn't know what was going to happen, um, which I was thankful for, but um, it was nice to have that as one of sort of the, the endings of the stories like, Oh, you know, somebody got to live out this life that they had always wanted that Mm -hmm. their circumstances had not allowed for them to have. So. Yeah. He had, he had a life ripped away from him. Yeah. Um, And I was just, I, I was I promise I'm going to stop talking about Captain America very soon. But it's, uh, there, there was a, a point I was just I was talking about Captain America with a friend of mine. Her name's Rowan, um, and we were talking about Captain America and how it was pretty much the perfect ending for him. Um, and she she's a she's a pretty big fan of uh, of Agent Carter. I think that's her favorite character in all of the Marvel movies, and rightfully so. Agent Carter is kind of a boss, um, <laughs> and. It is not often that I am schooled in Marvel movies, but she kind of schooled me here, where <laughs> she told she she made the assertion that the best thing about that ending in particular with Captain America going back to uh, going back to Peggy was this was one of the only relationships in all of the Marvel universe. I think the only relationship in the Marvel universe where it was not the woman falling in love with the man, and it wasn't it, it wasn't about her. It wasn't about her 
you know, fall, you know, like falling in love with the hero that he became, like all you know, buff and you know, star spangled ass and everything. Yeah, um, he he pursued her through it was, all the movies. That is exactly it. Is that that this all started with him, him accepting her, him him being in love with her as she was before he was even anything, and her just always being enough. Like he didn't need to be Captain America. He if if he could just have her in his life. And that just, it made me cry even more before getting onto this podcast. So I was just very, very upset about the, yeah, that I did, that I didn't think of that myself. So I'm just throwing that out there to the internet. now. <laughs> I, on the one hand, I, I love that moment. I felt like it was excellent closure for the character and a wonderful passing of the torch. But on the other hand, the rational part of my brain just can't let go of the fact that that particular thing happening did completely break their description of how time travel works in this story. Because they do establish that when you go back in time, you're creating different timelines, so he shouldn't be able to come back to the same one he left from. Like, that's that's the only thing that I, I keep getting hung up on. It's, it's, entirely, it's a thing that you it, just don't worry about. <laughs> it's, a, it's a logic thing. It doesn't even matter. Like, the, all the emotion of the scene is what's important, and they nail it perfectly. But, like, I keep, that part just lingers in my brain. I know, right? But anyways, uh, so let's move on to the, I guess, the hero of the whole story, Iron Man. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. himself, saving the universe with a snap of his fingers. I would like to posit that he is, in fact, actually the villain of this story. Well, that's a hot take. Okay. What? Because the entire reason why they do what they do when they do the snap is because of him and wanting to keep the life he's had with his wife and daughter. Uh He wants to keep the five years because he had a great five years with his family. Yeah. But everyone else in the universe has five years of PTSD and trauma and depression because of the snap. They've lost these people, and when they bring them back, they're still the same way they were five years ago. So, like, they're, like, not... They have a five-year gap of life that they've missed out on because they were gone, or their family missed them, had to move on without them. Like, families are probably, like, husbands have remarried, wives have remarried. You've, You've had... Uh, people go through the grieving process and, and establish things. You probably had mass suicides and stuff like that. Just yeah, you, yeah. You see, a, yeah. you see a microcosm of that with Ant Man in this movie, where he goes back to his house and he sees his daughter is suddenly a teenager. Yeah, yeah. and because of Iron Man wanting to keep his life with his wife and daughter, all those people still have five years of suffering that they'll never be rid of, just because of that. That's just that's my 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 little alternate take on it. Like the the, the logical problem posed by his choice, but I, I can't get rid of that either. That that to me that the enormously unfortunate implications of his choice in that regard. Interesting. Anybody got a repost to that? Because that that's most certainly the hottest of takes. Um, I feel like you can't undo all that we've gone through because then that renders like the last two movies completely inconsequential. (laughs) You know what I mean? And Um, Isabella, I'm completely with you on that point. (laughs) 
<laughs> like uh, all that character growth completely gone. Yeah. And I I'm, wouldn't really want someone to erase five years of my life either. <laughs> but that's what happened for all the people who got snapped away and came back. They lost five years. I mean, yes. But, but well, they're, they're but also, they didn't age. They're so. also back. Like, right? right? Like, they, they also have the chance to come back and finish the lives that they started as opposed to having them unjustly ripped from them. Right? Um, but again, you know, like, we're, we're all entitled to our opinions, even <laughs> if I think that yours is horrendously wrong. <laughs> well, plus, and like, all the lessons that everyone has learned in these five years of good dealing with all that loss... Like, oh, absolutely, but um, yeah. but yeah, like Isabel, I think that the point that you made originally, like, is really the most salient. If Iron Man snaps his fingers at the end of Endgame, and all of a sudden we just do a big rewind montage, and we end up back in Wakanda again, and Thor aims for the head and chops off Thanos' head, and the movie ends, like, <laughs> I would feel so cheated. <laughs> well, that's, exactly. That's not what I was thinking. I was thinking something more along the lines of what Captain America actually did, where you like snap everybody and they come back to five years ago. Mm. Where you still you're in where you are, but like okay. you, you brought enough. people back. That's just what I would have done. That's I'm not Iron Man. But sure. I mean like but you know, like forgive the pun, but like Iron Man had to make a snap decision at that point. <laughs> Um, I will not forget. Far, far, far. Never. Pun ever. And Dante's like known for bad puns. Like, I have, it's literally all I do, uh, internet. Like, I just sit there and I make terrible puns. Um, Puns are fantastic. Steven might back me up on this, but um, since we're the parents of the group, um, for me, I think part of the reason why I had the mo- the emotional response to this movie was because Iron Man became a dad. Uh-huh. Um, and I think as a parent, um, I think like recognizing that, um, that drive to care for your children, I think is something that's really important. And I apologize for my four-legged child who's crying in the background. <laughs> that is that is okay. Um, I I am not a parent, so I'm I'm hesitant to weigh in on this. But I felt as if I, I felt very many, very much the same way that uh, that Regina uh, feels, uh, where a lot of the emotional weight for uh, for Iron Man in the story. Uh, it hit me because I see what he's trying to do for his family. Like this is a family that he's fought for since Iron Man in 2008. Right. Um, The, the, the entire crux of his story arc has been centered around his conversation with Yinsen in that cave when he's building the first Iron Man suit and uh, Yinsen challenges him to, you know, to say, like, you know, is this what you want your legacy to be? Do you want to die a warmonger? Or do you want to be remembered for something more? And he's given that opportunity to finally settle down with the woman that he loves and to start a family with her and for this to be his legacy. And protecting, you know, protecting this, this, this tiny microcosm uh, of, uh, of his life when he's accomplished so much, like he's, you know, he's 
graduated from MIT at 14 and built a billion-dollar global industry, and he saved the universe multiple times, but none of that matters because all he is worried about is just two people in the entire universe. And it says something very powerful about the quality of man that he has turned into um, just, just by becoming, you know, the world's best dad because you know his daughter loves him 3000 and you, you obviously just can't get higher than that oh god way, that broke my heart. yeah i just well and so the one spoiler was that i knew i knew going into it that he died yeah um okay because i had seen that that was the only spoiler i had seen i mean you know it is the spoiler but or you know one of the spoilers i guess someone um, told me at work that's horrible I, I saw a slip. I saw a slip on Instagram, but um, anyway, it just it made it made all of it more poignant because I went in from the beginning of the movie knowing that it was coming to an end, and then and then I see him as a dad and and I as a caring, like sweet, like quirky, awesome dad, and I'm like, oh, you sons of bitches, <laughs> know so, why you're doing this? <laughs> I, yeah, I feel like. Uh, Coming from it as, like, I'm not a parent, obviously, but I feel like they only, like, that was sort of man- emotionally manipulative of them to make us care more about his death, ultimately. Oh, I they really pushed that at the end. It absolutely, absolutely was. No doubt that that's the case. Yeah. But it didn't change my emotional reaction to it, so. Steven, you were awfully quiet, so. I was just going to say the same thing. <laughs> I, I mean, there's a lot of us on here. I was just waiting my turn. I mean, um, I think, I mean, I think it's kind of, I mean, I think it's kind of cynical to assume that they gave him a kid just to make us feel something. And that's well, weird coming that's, from me. That my, doesn't make it wrong. <laughs> Have um, you met me? <laughs> no, no you haven't. I haven't. Um, but the, I don't know. I, um, yeah, I, I was, I mean, obviously it hit me when, um, you know, when he died. Um, but I, I mean, Iron Man was never my dude. So, um, I, I got my heart ripped out last movie when they killed vision, which we yeah, all remember. I, I, right? I remember so, that. Yep. So like I was already dead inside when this movie started. Um, <laughs> so I mean, what really um, hit me was was the moment where um, rescue. I'm just going to call it rescue because I want to. Yeah, uh, that, that's yeah. Told her, told him uh, that it was okay and that he could rest. Uh. And um, because that moment, I mean, let alone like when Peter was getting all weepy and stuff, but like. Um, when she told him that it was okay to rest, I think that's the that that's poignant because the reality is he he never stops working, right? Like mm-hmm. he has that obsessive, like he's always thinking, his mind is always running, and that's what he was doing, right? He was running on instinct at that very moment, like I gotta get up, there's more to do. And she was like, It's okay, we're gonna be fine. You can rest now. And he finally did. And that was the first time that his mind was still. Right. Yeah. And um, so that's that that was the part that hit me. You know, the, the fact that he had a kid like, 
Yeah, of course I identified with, you know, the moments with him and his incredibly young daughter. Um, the part that, it, but it really, you know, the, the, the other part of that that hit me was more happy um, and the, and the cheeseburger thing. Um, uh, and largely because that was his best friend talking to, you know, his daughter. daughter. And I yeah. 100% imagined my best friend yeah. having that conversation with my daughter, Megan, 100%. That was where yeah. my head was. And I just broke. Um, but it wasn't about Iron Man. I mean, yeah, it was, I mean, it was me. You know what I mean? Like I just mm-hmm. got to put myself in that position, which is super morbid, but what are you going to do? Um, yeah. I mean, and I mean, but it, it, I feel like this, like that, Iron Man was kind of meant to be the person who was like, you know, the everyman, so to speak. Like, like he he's meant to be the Batmanish character of, uh, of the of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He's the one yeah. guy over there that doesn't really have an exceptionally great like combat oriented skill set. He just like he doesn't have superpowers. Like it's, he's a dude who builds suits of armor. He doesn't we, have superpowers. Like we can't. You need to do Hawkeye and Black Widow. Hold but, on, I'm gonna. I didn't fight ahead. back on the fat joke thing, um, mm-hmm. but but I got to fight back on this. Okay, we can't say he. We can't say he's not combat oriented after watching the way he, because yeah, he has a suit of armor, mm-hmm. but like the dude threw down. Oh, absolutely! In, yeah, and he and with with like because you can see the development right. Like when you watch mm-hmm. Iron Man one, which I did very recently, like he was methodical and slow. And um, when you watch him now, like now, like in Endgame, he was a freaking ninja, like running around. Now, admittedly, the suit was better, right? Because obviously this was like, what, Mark 97,000? But like, and the nanobots or whatever the hell he did (laughs) made it so his suit could transform. Well, yes. um, Probably didn't hurt, but like, if he didn't have, if he wasn't combat capable, um, and I know what you mean when you say he's not combat, he's not Captain America, where he doesn't have superhuman strength, but like, yeah, he was ready to throw down. Mm-hmm. The thing that bothered me about all that is, I guess, I mean, I guess I'm counterpointing myself. I don't know when um, Rescue turned into a ninja, also. So maybe those suits are just really good. Because I don't I mean, know when he built that for her for her anniversary, and all of a sudden sure. she's just as good as him, arguably better. I mean, I mean we, we I, had that sort of foreshadowed in Iron Man three when she's exposed to the extremist substance, like that yeah. changes her fundamentally to a degree and mm-hmm. then later on. And also I, I felt like Iron Man three, as much as I loathe it, it also um as far back as then we started to see Tony Stark's uh transformation into a father figure where you could see his arc beginning with the one random boy who we met then and then again through spider-man homecoming i I felt like that was actually something they did a really good job of building in the last few appearances he was in that that desire of his to have a a proper legacy as a father yeah and i i just want to chime in real quick the only reason why i brought that entire thing up was I was trying to say, like, Iron Man is supposed to be the everyman. He's supposed to be the person that you can resonate with. So it made a lot of sense to me when you were saying that you were putting yourself into his shoes. Because, like, because he was supposed to be just, like, your average dude with no superpowers, right? Just tons of money. Yeah. 
Well, yes, of course. Like just tons of money. He's relatable in the same way that Batman is relatable to yeah. you know you know ninety nine percent of uh, of people, right? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so Iron Man that was it was tragic. Um, I have two other folks that I oh, that I wanted to that I thought we might get to, but I'm not sure that I want to now because like I feel like we've gone through all the more major characters. Was uh, was Thanos and Hawkeye? We've kind of touched hmm. on Hawkeye. Uh, during the whole Black Widow uh, discussion. I'm still but angry. <laughs> I, I understand and I respect the fact that you are still angry. <laughs> um, but let's, uh, let's segue from Iron Man into his death and the funeral at the end, um, which I thought was incredibly touching, very well done. For those of you who still don't know who the rando kid was at the funeral, that was the kid from Iron Man 3, as aforementioned by Evan. Um, and I am still very disappointed because I, I was, I was crying through that, that entire scene. And, but the one thing that was bugging me throughout the entire scene was where is black widow's wreath? Like how come she doesn't get a memorial because she is dead five years in the past, half a universe away. And the most that she gets is a couple of tears and Hulk throwing a bench into a lake. Like that is some garbage, some hot garbage. If I have ever, (laughs) and I've, and I've seen interviews with the directors who are trying to say like, Oh, well, she was more of like the secret agent, the secret operative. Like she's not really well known to, uh, to all these people. Like, and I would buy that. I would absolutely buy that. If it was a public funeral, like right. if it was something it wasn't like, in their backyard. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. if this was something like a prince, like like a Princess Diana level funeral, right? Um, I would get that. But everybody there knew everybody else, right? Yeah. Like you know, like the uh, like the Guardians of the Galaxy have been working with Black Widow more than they've worked with Iron Man, and they were all there except for Gamora. Captain Marvel has been working with has been working with. Uh, with Black Widow for more than she's been working with Iron Man. And she was there. Um, like everybody there has worked with Black Widow and she doesn't get, she doesn't even get a mention at the funeral. And that, that is the one thing above everything else that happened with Black Widow in this movie that set me off to absolutely no end. And it still makes me angry to this day. You look salty. I'm extremely salty. (laughs) I think from a narrative standpoint, it would have been kind of redundant because we did have a mourning Black Widow scene. So we, as the audience, we had emotional closure for her character and several characters present did. I think having an actual funeral for her in it would have ultimately not necessarily served her that much um to me I, I would have just rationalized it as it happened off screen since we already yeah. did have the, the the scene of them mourning her and acknowledging what she did i i think that she deserved more than an off-screen funeral i definitely believe i i agree i think we're just meant to assume that we, everyone on screen had their time to i don't want to say to come to terms with it also this, and this may just be this may be a bad reason, but the oh, no. oh, it was such a bad reason. You just vanished into oblivion. 
Anyway, somebody snapped in, in <laughs> Max's apartment. That makes me sad. So, uh, Steven, do you have any thoughts on Black Widow's absence of a funeral or Regina? You, you, no. neither of you have uh, weighed in yet. I, uh, I mean, I don't want to pick a fight on this one. I, I already picked a fight with you, so <laughs> I mean, we we picked fights every single time that we've been on a podcast together. So yeah, that's um, if you if you ask Regina, that's my brand. Yeah, um, that's what he does. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I, I think I don't think she's dead. So I, that's that's so that's it. We got another movie coming. So mm. I mean, that's really ultimately it. I could be. I'll, I mean, screenshot this. Maybe I'm wrong in a in a year, a year and a half. I don't know when her movie is, but um, I don't think they're telling us until after Spider Man. But I don't think she's dead. So, but I mean, is her movie going to be current or like? I got the impression. I don't. I don't. You know, I will fully admit I am not like a huge Marvel fangirl. This is not my fandom. Um, this is something I enjoy, but it's not something I go crazy for generally. Um, the impression that I have from what I have seen about her movie is I thought it was going to be an origin story. Am I wrong sure. about that? That is, that is what I understood. It was going to be yeah. her time in the red room in, you know, right. in the Soviet union. Right. I, yeah. I assumed that even before we knew she died in this movie, because I right. feel like the most interesting black widow story would have been, would be then spy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just don't trust anything anymore. <laughs> it's really what it comes down to. Like, but Vision was dead, um, and Loki was dead, and technically you know like, Gamora was really is, dead. Loki was dead, but guess what? We're, we got a Loki television show because there's a Loki that sparked a different timeline, and I just, I literally trust nothing, and I mean that in the nicest way. With the most <laughs> like, love and affection. I, I trust nothing because if someone went, because how many times has Cyclops died in the comics? Like, um. I mean, I think it'd be easier to say how many times Cyclops has stayed alive. Correct, <laughs> and and I and he's he is like another one of my dudes, and he's mm-hmm. died a ton. So whenever they're like, "Oh, Cyclops is dead," I go, ha, 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 "Funny you." And then no, like, so and now because of Endgame, these are the comic books now. So I don't trust anything. You say a guy died, that's great. That in that story, in this self-contained Infinity Saga, Black Widow died. I don't believe it. And that's fine. And so that, I mean, and, and they're, and obviously the, the directors are out and they're talking all sorts of shit and it's really annoying because they're trying to explain everything. They're doing like the JK Rowling thing, like right. legislating like post ex post facto. But right. like the reality is um, everything they say could be a work, you know, like mm-hmm. because we, because the, this it's not over yet because I got you. You know, I I just don't trust anything. I um, gotcha. Okay, hang on. I, so I, anyway. I'm I'm gonna I'm let you finish, but Max snapped back into I'm existence. No. And, and I want to make sure that Max finishes his thoughts. Um, I was just going to say that I think I think we're just meant to assume that everyone had their grieving moment um, mm-hmm. off camera for Black Widow. Um, the grieving moment was. Uh, the moment of grief was in the aftermath of her death. And maybe they just felt we maybe, Oh God, I don't know what phrase this. The other thing was that, um, I mean, they had Iron Man's body. They didn't have black widow's body. 
I mean, Maybe if they only, could still if only have you a... could have a closed casket funeral. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was the thing that happened in real life. That's that's my only thing. I'm like reaching for straws. It's like I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt here, but yeah. But, I don't give people the benefits of a doubt. I think I started her. I I try to I try. It is kind of fitting for a secret agent not to have a funeral. That is, that is she already announced herself to the entire world. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah like she's as, she's very publicly in a bit. As Black Widow, but not as as Natasha Romanoff. So her her main identity. I don't know. I I, I think. I don't know. Like like all all of her all of her stuff is out. Like as of like Civil War, like all of her stuff is just kind of out there, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but anyways, we can go round and round in circles, and I don't want to make this the you know like why Black Widow got shafted podcast because the first episode <laughs> of that is coming out next week on iTunes. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, let's move into the wrap up with our usual quick takes. Um, we're going to start with the first and most pertinent question. What was your favorite scene and why was it Captain America getting back together with Peggy Carter? Um, <laughs> so Eddie, so uh, let's, let's just choose somebody at random. Evan, uh, what was your favorite scene? Uh, my favorite scene for lack of better uh, terminology would be the girl power scene. Oh, and when they came out. Battle, when yeah. all the ladies yeah. kicked all the butt all at once in one big team. And I know, I think it's, I'm not sure if it was Brie Larson or somebody else suggested that it'd be nice to have like an all female Avengers equivalent team. And I was, I was already on board with that, but in that particular extended sequence, I was 100,000 times more on board for that. Just like, just between like Valkyrie flying on her flying horse and like uh, Pepper Potts in the rescue suit and just, uh, all the ladies from Wakanda, just yeah. all that in one extended girl power moment. I was so deeply on board. I loved it so much. Awesome. Favorite part of the fight. All right, cool. Isabella, your favorite scene? I'm going to pick something completely not important, but Hulk giving tacos to Ant-Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that was that a pretty awesome. good part <laughs> I did laugh about that for way too long <laughs> oh, it was pretty funny it was pretty, pretty much Ant-Man Ant-Man in this movie kind of made me want to go and actually watch the Ant-Man movies because yeah. of the Ant-Man Same. movies are genuinely entertaining and I would, I would definitely suggest that you watch that you watch them like I would have suggested that you watch them even before Infinity War and Endgame happened but now that Endgame has happened and Ant-Man and the Wasp is now critical to understanding Endgame yeah. you absolutely must go watch it yeah hmm. anyways uh Max, before you snap out of existence again, <laughs> what was your favorite scene? I I loved the scene where Thor got to talk with his mom one last time. That oh man, was, that was gonna be mine. I'm oh, sorry. that was good. Uh, <laughs> I'm okay. sorry, but that okay. was it. It made me so happy because it seeing Thor at as low a point as he was, and just seeing in that moment he's. He gets to hold his mom, who yeah, that just hit hard. But I yeah. I love that scene. 
so much. Yeah. It, it was it was really great because like I, I'm sure like everybody on this podcast wish that they could go back in time and just talk to the person that they love that that is no longer with us one last time. And it was yeah. it was really powerful to see that uh, that Thor got that chance and yeah. he uh, and he used it. And it was great. Yeah. Um, anyways, I will uh, also say the big battle scene was pretty cool. Oh yeah. So. Um, so now, now that we are all activating our Kleenex uh, reserves, <laughs> uh, Regina, what was your favorite scene of the movie? Um, well, like I said, Max stole my at least my first one. Um, but my my next would be um, what well, would be a tie between watching um, Black Panther and Shuri and um, and Okoye. Yeah, Okoye uh, be the first that walked out of the portal. Oh, um, so after the snap, like just that, like I, I had had my feet propped up on, you know, this arm of the seat in front of me and I pulled them down and I was like tamping on the ground. Yes, it was. And then, and then the, uh, the next scene for me would have been when, when all the portals were open and there was kind of this hush. And then I can't remember who said it, but Avengers assemble. Captain America. Oh, it was Captain America. <laughs> it could have only been him. Yes, and he said that, and so that was my other scene. But the observation that I want to share about that was that um, I saw the movie so much later after it had been, after it had come out, I was in a virtually empty theater. There were, you know, four other people mm-hmm. in the theater when I saw it, and I was so sad I wasn't seeing it with a room full of people who would have had that intake of air as those two scenes happened. I was just really sad that it was, I was not surrounded by fans it in was, that moment. It was nothing short of magical when I saw it on I'm opening sure. night. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Oh God. Yeah. Like, and as soon as he said, like, like you, like we knew that it was going to happen and the entire theater just like went silent. Absolutely yeah. silent. Oh God. It yeah. Was- like everybody, I could just tell like that the way it built. And I mean, it was great cinematography and like editing and the way they kind of built it. And I'm like, Oh, this would have been so amazing had I been surrounded by a theater full of fans. And yeah, uh, my I- husband who nitpicked the movie as soon as it finished. <laughs> I, I went on the earliest possible preview showing that I could get to. And the, the theater was completely crammed packed and like all throughout that extended sequence, like that moment, like the moment where, Captain America uses the hammer and like all those moments, there was like this audible gasp and like some yes and some claps and stuff, but it always ended really fast. Cause you could tell everybody wanted to see what happened next and nobody wanted to miss anything. Yeah. It was just yeah. Like tense energy in the room. Yeah. Awesome. Anyways. All right, cool. Thank you. So Steven, what was your favorite scene? Um, my favorite scene, man, I, how am I supposed to follow those two? Um, <laughs> But the thanks, Regina. Um, <laughs> uh, my favorite moment was uh, with Nebula and War Machine um, on the planet when, um, specifically, when she said, "I wasn't always like this." Oh, that was good. Yeah. Said, it was that. I. We work with what we've got. Um, when they are, when they dropped those two on that planet, I was like, "Why War Machine and Nebula? Like, how does that make sense?" Mm-hmm. And um, that was like, oh, that's why, you know, because, um, yeah. you know, I was nitpicking the selections of like who went where because um, I couldn't help it. And I thought that was super random. But then 
um, they both taught each other something. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas everywhere else, they were all on a mission and they had things to do. But the two of them, it feels like they needed to teach each other something. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I, I really appreciated it. Um, that really hit me. Awesome. So, uh, I mean, it's it is really difficult for me to pick a to pick a favorite scene, um, just because like this this is a movie that is packed to the brim with just wonderful character moments. Like I mean, like I love you three thousand is uh, just an, it's a heartbreaking moment. Oh god, it was just so good, and and Captain America picking up Mjolnir and just going to town on Thanos. Yeah. Made, just made <laughs> it was pretty good. Thor's yeah. like, I knew it. I knew yeah, it, I know. It, I love that. It made me really happy. Um, uh, goodness gracious. Uh, the, the finally uttering after 11 years of waiting to hear people say it, to hear Captain America say Avengers Assemble uh, was incredible. Um, the one that, one that was really competing for my, for my favorite was uh, Tony Stark. Uh, making peace with his father. Yeah, uh, that, yeah. that one was extremely well done. I loved how he took Pepper's name as an alias. Um, yes. Yeah. Howard. And, yeah, like and especially like that part at the end um, that really resonated with me and just my relationship with my father. Like my father and I, my father and I get along uh, very well now. But like you know, there was there's always that time in your teens when you, you you're putting heads with your parents and just that one line that Tony Stark says he's uh, right before he leaves says, I grew up thinking that my father was like, was, was just a hard ass and he was giving me a hard time. But now I know it was because he cared and he wanted me to, to be my best. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that really resonated with me on a personal level. Uh, so I loved that one, but like, like I forget, I basically told you what my favorite scene was at the beginning of this. <laughs> like it was, it was the, the slow zoom into the house in the fifties and Captain America and Peggy Carter are just slow dancing. They finally got that dance that he promised her at the end of Captain America, the first adventure. And it broke my heart. I cried a lot. It was, yeah, it, that was just basically a theme of the movie. I cried a lot. <laughs> yeah, Avengers Endgame, Dante cried. <laughs> Anyways, um, so next up, favorite character. I'll, I'll go first, Captain America. That's done. <laughs> uh, Steven, who's your favorite character in this movie? Oh, you said this movie. Um, his vision died last time. Um, yeah. I mean... Uh, I, I, I think I'm going to... I, I, I'll go last. Somebody else go. <laughs> your favorite character in this movie. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Thor. Thor. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's a really solid choice. He had, he had a really good character arc despite some problematic stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I mean, nothing's perfect. So. Oh, of course. Except for America's ass. That's always perfect. <laughs> well, yes, America's ass. <laughs> Isabella. Uh, probably Nebula. Oh, yeah, I, I might have yeah. said her to you. I thought about she, it. <laughs> she, she, okay. Absolutely, uh, Max. Yo, sorry, favorite I character, the rat. The rat, <laughs> the rat that let Ant Man out. That is the MVP of this movie right now. Yeah. That uh, rat saved everyone. Yeah, 
It's true, like, and it makes me think to myself, just like Doctor Strange had to look into fourteen million futures and figure out which is the one that that random <laughs> rat runs over and knocks over those levers in a specific combination to let out Ant Man. <laughs> that's what this comes down to. That's everything. The rat is responsible for saving humanity. It's but, it's pretty um, great. But a serious answer, my favorite would be. Uh, Thor in this one because he I'll be honest at first he I didn't like him as much because he did seem like a deus ex machina type character he would just come in and solve everything and then seeing him brought low like that and then climb back up yep yep that the thing of beauty yeah so Thor's my boy yeah, and I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing if they're going to do that thing with Captain Marvel because she, as as far as I'm concerned, is becoming the Deus Ex Machina character. Like she is yeah. the cavalry now. Yep. Yeah, uh, like it, you people can't see it out in the podcast land, but I'm wearing a very brand new Captain Marvel T-shirt, and it's like wonderful. I absolutely love the character, but she's uh, but yeah, she's the new Deus Ex Machina. So I'm looking forward to seeing if they do with her what Max just described them doing with Thor. So yeah. uh, anyway, Evan. Your favorite character? I I wanted to be able to say Captain Marvel, but yeah, like, me too. They did kind of paint themselves into a corner in her movie by making her just so insanely powerful that they had to just kind of bench her for this one, most of it. Because if they had had her in the mm-hmm. movie, she would have finished everything like that. Yeah. Um, can I, can but, I also say just like how much I love their explanation as to why she wasn't in the movie? Yes. Yes. There are yeah. races that are having even worse things everywhere. Yeah. yeah they were perfect. Yeah. Anyways, I, definitely, I definitely appreciated that. Um, I, I also kind of wish I could say that it was uh, Ebony Maw because I, I love that slimy jerk. And he was, she's still my favorite character from the last movie. But uh, in this movie, I would say my favorite would be Hawkeye. I think he had a really interesting arc. I feel like they did a, a good job of setting up uh, how he changed just over the space of this movie in the last. I think his, his arc might not, not be as dramatic as, as Nebula or as uh, Tony or as uh, Cap, but in in terms of how this movie branches with the last one, I feel like he has the most interesting and, and well-developed storyline. Awesome. All right. Steven, we're back to you. All right. So I'm just going to avoid the cheap heat and uh, saying Thor uh, just because, you know, everybody else. And um, But I'm going to say Ant-Man. Um, yeah, was a treasure in this movie. Yeah. Um, and part great. of that, yeah, yeah, and part of that, I think what makes it weird is it's just a cur- like we all just made the revelation that Paul Rudd was fifty years old. And <laughs> yeah, that's what? Fine Wait, what? <laughs> He's fifty. He was in Clueless. <laughs> like, that's I the know. thing. Like, he was in Clueless. Yep. He is very attractive. He was an adult. In, well, yeah, that's the thing, right? Like, he has an age. So I think that actually made it better because, like, he's hanging out with, like, these kids for the most part. Because mm-hmm. um, a lot of these characters, I mean, are played by relatively young actors. So, um, but uh, just his, like, wholesome reaction to everything, right? Like, it, mm-hmm. like he's our point of view character now where it's like, you know, yeah. Like marveling at the fact that he's that he just got an inspirational speech from Captain America, and mm-hmm. you know, like the taco thing, 
The taco <laughs> thing was such yeah. a good scene where he's just like, you know, a dude. And even though, like, he has really badass superpowers that chain, you know, but the, well, I guess he doesn't, but whatever. Um, you know, it's not like he doesn't do fantastical stuff. So, but like a spaceship really freaked him out. Mm-hmm. You know, like I can go into the quantum realm and like do all sorts of crazy stuff, but no spaceship. That's weird. Nope. Um, so I love, I mean, I loved his reactions and how genuine he really was. Um, and I, I can't wait for more. I can't. Absolutely. Wait for more. I, I entirely agree. I'm now, now that, uh, now that, uh, his daughter is, uh, Cassie is now a teenager. I'm really looking forward to seeing if she becomes stature. Uh, I mean, yeah. How can she not? It, I mean, they they spent so much time teaching us about these young kids. I mean, there's no way she doesn't like. At this point, nothing is not on purpose, mm-hmm. which is what what's really crazy about Spider-Man's boy Ned because that's the Hobgoblin. Yep, it sure is. Like, so nothing is not on purpose, it, and so it's, it's going to be great. They've proven that over 22 movies, everything is intentional. Every blade of grass is put where it needs to be. So, man. Man, um, mm-hmm. you know. So anyway, awesome. So, uh, all right, Max. Uh, final rating on the movie: uh, one um, to ten. One to ten. One to ten. Ten being the best. I give it a nine. I think I, I think I preferred Infinity War over this one, but just because it was the setup. Mm-hmm. But it was still, it was good. I enjoyed it. I don't regret seeing it. Awesome. All right, Isabella. Um, I'm gonna go with an eight, probably because I still love Winter Soldier more. <laughs> I mean, that is also an extremely defensible opinion. Winter Soldier is an incredible movie. Um, and I'm never gonna see this again. So. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. All right, Evan. Uh, it's. I feel like it's almost impossible to judge it on its own merits alone, just because it's. It's so. For one thing, I think I feel like it is definitively a second half of Infinity War. I feel like you always have to pair the two together. It is definitely a part one and a part two, and uh, it's also obviously the culmination of everything in the previous entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, like, I think when you factor in where it fits compared to all the other ones. It absolutely is a 10 because it, it resolves everything. And I think the best possible way everything it resolves could have been resolved. Uh, if you tried looking at it as its own movie, it's probably more of an eight or a nine just because you'd be missing almost all the context. But why would you ever do that? Yeah, which is silly. It's like seeing Deathly Hallows Part 2 without watching any Harry Potter movie. That's just dumb. Anyways, uh, <laughs> Steven. You're not wrong. Rating. I don't. Uh, I don't put scores on things. I uh, but I do recommend it for everybody. I think sounds anyone good. can see this movie. I don't put scores on things. No, Sorry, no, Dad. No, that sounds fine <laughs> to me, Regina. Uh, I'm going to give it an eight and a half. I give it the highest because it made me cry so much. So, <laughs> um, so I want to give this movie an eleven based on Captain America alone, but I have to look at the the movie as a whole. There and- are no cops. There are no cops. There's no cops. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> no, literally, the points don't matter. Both, no, so, um, like I'm giving this movie a nine, and the only reason why I'm why I'm 
not giving it uh, like an eleven or a twelve is because of the like the the mistreatment of Black Widow. Like that is mm. that that is it. It still makes me very salty every time I think about just how horribly mistreated she was in this movie. Um, just just like as as a character within the context of the movie itself, and at like. And in and the meta sense, right? yeah. meta sense uh, yeah. as far as the narrative, um, and like, and we've all we already said, like you know, the fat jokes were a bit much, but like mostly, mostly it's because you know, because Black Widow was treated so horribly. Like I cannot ignore that. Um, so that's uh, it. It stops it from being like an amazing movie, uh, as far as I'm concerned. But anyways, um, thank you all for sticking with me on this marathon of an episode. I really appreciate it, uh, especially those of you on uh, the East Coast time. And it's now, what, one thirty in the morning? So we're yeah. going to wrap this up yeah. real quick. Um, uh, that, that's no big. It's just the internet problems. That's my issue. So, again, thank you very much for uh, for joining us uh, out there on the internet and for listening to us uh, on the podcast. You can uh, you can find us online at www.thegeekembassy.com. You can find us on uh, Twitter and Instagram at The Geek Embassy. We're going to have everybody's uh, Twitter handles in the show notes and all the social places that uh, we can be reached. Please like, share, favorite, subscribe. Do all the social things that tell people that we exist and because, you know, we derive all of our external validation on you and on clicks <laughs> and on and on subscribe things and if you don't do any of that it makes us very sad and we cry even more than return to the king it's uh it's, it's not a pretty day for all of us so until next time avengers assemble good night everybody <laughs> bye, bye. bye. <laughs>